You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. The book of Colossians, and uh, tonight we are going to continue that, but uh, if you would, I'll give a little bit of a background, then I want to get into, there was one word that I was going to be preaching on several ways that God uh, shows who we are in Christ. I guess I should turn this on. Oh, I did. Okay. Um, and uh, so we'll just start reading here in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 1. The Bible says, For I would that you knew what great affliction or conflict I have for you and for them of Laod- at Laodicea, and, as, and for as much as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches a full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Man, if you're trying to get new wisdom or you're trying to get more wisdom and knowledge, seek Christ. Get close to Him, man. That's where you find the treasure. That's where you find wisdom. It's not in, you know, these people out there that have these five new secrets to blah, blah, blah. Uh, man, no, just get closer to Christ. They might have some simple steps that promise this, but get closer to Christ. It is hid in Him in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now, This is where we're picking up on this particular study. I'm going to have to come back to this next week. Uh, But those enticing words there are interesting. They kind of go along with the words of a a lawyer, Uh, you know, using trickery in words. And we'll talk more about that on next week. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding there, therein with thanksgiving. And we'll pause right there just for a moment. And what we see here in the Christian life, looking at verse number 4 is where we uh, left off uh, last week, but he says, This I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. There are those that would like to hinder the progress of the Christians. As Christians, we're supposed to be making progress. We're supposed to be moving forward. And it's not always at the same rate. Uh, you know, in a moment, it talks about walking in Christ. Uh, and I like how many times the Bible refers to Christian growth as a walk with the Lord. We are running a race, but many times it's just one step after the other. Amen. It's baby steps. It's just little things that we do along the way. And so, uh, so there's a need for progress. Satan is so deceptive and he wants to lead uh, all of us astray. And he does this with deceptive words, which like I said, we'll focus in more on that next week. And you'll see why I'm skipping ahead just here in a moment as I, as I begin to lay this out and study it. Um, He uses several illustrations on how the church ought to be. And so my message was going to be on these different illustrations I was going to give you and just list each one. Uh, But instead of doing that, there's one I'm going to hone in on tonight. Then next week, uh, perhaps we'll try to get through all of them. But first of all, he refers to an army. He refers to the church as an army. We talk about spiritual warfare. Folks, that's just not a manner of speaking. 
Uh, spiritual warfare is a very uh, serious and real thing. But that's the very first thing he addresses here when he says um, in verse number 5, he talks about beholding your order and your steadfastness. Both of those are military words. Uh, and again, we'll get back to that later. Your order, your steadfastness. He pictures the, the Christian as a pilgrim in verse number six, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We're walking in a world that's not our home. And then he goes into verse number seven, rooted, rooted, and speaking of progress tonight, I'm going to maybe break a record for lack of progress as far as getting through a book of the Bible tonight because I'm going to deal with one word out of the book of Colossians tonight. One word out of the book of Colossians, but uh, we're going to go back through the Old Testament and tie in some lessons from this one word. The word rooted, rooted. Rooted is an agricultural word. The tense of rooted is the idea of being once and for all rooted. We have been planted. It's a past tense thing. As Christians, remember the context of Colossians. These people are being inundated with false teaching. People trying to lead them astray. Uh, people that are giving some lip service to Christ, but not truly the Christ of the Bible. And so we need to be planted, rooted, so that we are not, as the Bible says in Ephesians 4.14, blown about with every wind of doctrine. You know, so there's a lot of doctrine out there. There's a lot of teaching out there. But we need to be rooted in Christ, rooted in the Word of God, so that no matter what's blowing around our way, we don't just blow this way and blow that way. You ever know people like that? Uh, and and it's, a, it's a sad thing, man. There's some people talking about finding our wisdom and the riches in Christ. There are some people that, uh, you know, they, they, they go off seeking every new thing, but they're forsaking. I'm telling you, man, the Bible has enough in it that I'm still trying to understand to where I don't need to go off and learn some, some guy's new truth or new revelation, amen? There's enough in the Bible that I'm still trying to understand. And so, rooted and grounded in Him, every wind of doctrine. And so, the message I want to preach out of rooted tonight is be a tree. Be a tree. Uh, and we'll, I think about Psalm 1, verse 3. I think I'll turn over there and read uh, the first three verses. But in Psalm chapter number 1, it's a familiar passage uh, to many of us, but it begins to allude to what Paul's talking about here by being grounded, by being rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And uh, by the way, what, what does ungodly mean? What does ungodly mean? Yeah, not recognizing God. Now, I don't mean to make light of that, but I just got to tell you that for a lot of my life, you know, anytime I hear something ungodly, I just think of the worst thing possible. Uh, you know, oh, it's so ungodly. Do you know ungodly can be pretty innocent? Ungodly, uh, ungodly does not have to be people that have one bad thought toward God at all. One bad thought, one negative thought about the Bible at all. Ungodly just simply means there's no thought of God. So ungodliness just carries the idea of just living your life without taking God into account. So, and if we're not careful, that's what we do. There's people that give good advice. But what we've got to be careful of is they are not taking God into account, not because they're... Um, you know, so terrible and hate God so much, they're just not thinking about God. 
that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Uh, you, we see the progression there, but the, the Bible says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, we're talking about meditation here. We're not talking about like the transcendental uh, type of meditation, right? What is biblical? What's the biblical idea behind meditation? Yeah, studying. Uh, there, it, it's cool that the, that the word meditate is actually connected with chewing the cud. Anybody, anybody know any critters that chew the cud? I know a few critters uh, uh, maybe in here that chew the cud, but, but no, true critters that, that chew the cud. Um, what, what, what kind of animals chew the cud, you know? Yeah, cows. Yeah, goats. I think rabbits actually chew the cud, too. I could be wrong on that. Uh, but they chew the cud. So what's the idea? They chew it, they swallow it, and then they bring it back up again. I need to preach this right toward noon on Sunday morning so people get over being hungry, but they bring it up and then they chew on it some more. They meditate on it. And so, uh, so, so in the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So be a tree. He uses that term rooted there in Colossians because that's what he's hoping they'll be. I want you to be rooted. And this context is great, is it not? Because he's saying, don't listen to the ungodly. Don't listen to the wicked. Don't listen to the scorners. He says, but get in the word of God. And if you do that, you'll be rooted. And no matter what false doctrine comes your way, you'll be able to stand against that. And we talk about false doctrine. It's not just the false doctrine from a religious standpoint. It's also just the, just the ungodly ideas that we face in our society on a regular basis. The, the, the rebellion. You know, the Bible talks about bringing every thought into captivity to the Lord Jesus Christ there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. So we need to run every thought we think through the filter of God's Word. And that's one of the ways that we can, but if, and if we're delighting in the law of the Lord, that's going to help us do that. That's going to help us think, okay, is this the right way to think? There's a lot of ways that Christians think that just aren't right. And what we've got to do is we've got to get into the Word of God, the rightly divided Word of God, uh, I mean, in the context, and understand what the Bible's saying. We do this by reading the Word of God, but man, please read it. But don't just read it. Study it. Pay attention. If, if, there's, if there's a verse or a phrase again that catches your mind, stop and study it. Look it up. So his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. You know, a tree rooted, a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree is a marvel of nature. On a mountain in California, just north of Death Valley, grows a gnarled and weather-beaten uh, bristlecone pine. There she blows. This tree is known as Methuselah, and it's well-named for it's estimated to be 4,600 4, years old. Now, to put that into context, uh, when David was writing the Psalms, this tree would have been about 1,600 years old. When Abraham was born in Ur the Chaldees, Methuselah would have been already hundreds of years old. So Methuselah would date back to right after the flood. I mean, it's kind of a cool thing. 
Trees live so long because of their unique structure. Active life resides in the root tips, in the outer layer of wood, and in the one-cell-thick living sheath that en envelops the trunk. Trees are particularly ageless. Year by year, they send their roots deeper and deeper into the soil. You take the mighty oak, for instance, with its great branches spreading in all directions as the branches reach higher and as they reach farther. The way that mighty oak continues to grow is that down below, under in the root system, that the roots are also going deeper and going out further uh, uh, in, into the soil, rooted. That's the picture that Paul's trying to give us here, rooted like a tree by the rivers of water. See, the roots is what really makes it strong. The hidden life of the believer is to be developed in equal proportion with the outward life. And that's important because if we're not careful, and I'm telling you, man, we, we, we know this, but there's a lot of churches that major on getting the outside right. But, man, I, I, I just, I go back to this. I can remember uh, just, was really when I first went out and started preaching around. And I went and preached up at a church in Virginia. And, man, you talk about, the, this church, man, you talk about everybody looking right. Man, they looked right. They were dressing white. They were spitting white. I mean, they smelled good, looked good, you name it. They sung good. And, uh, Man, I got up and was just preaching about the grace of God and God saving a bunch of old sinners, and it was weird because I wasn't getting much back from them. Come to find out that church kind of leaned towards sinless perfection. But me as an immature Christian, I looked at them and thought, boy, they look the part. But see, I, see we, 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 how many of you have ever experienced this? Uh, Okay, so I think about the things that I struggled with when I first got saved. God brought me out of a sinful lifestyle, worldly lifestyle, not raised in church. 16 years old when I got saved, I had a wrong way of thinking about a lot of things. But God began to, began to help me, began to work on me, began to help me get some things straight and right in my life. So all of a sudden, I quit struggling. So the, the temptation to do drugs quit being as much of a struggle. The drinking wasn't much of a temptation anymore. Uh, I mean, it was awesome, man. These things that, that held on me, you know, the temptation toward immorality, all that stuff just began to be less and less. And man, I started really getting into church. I started getting on fire for God. And now as a teenager, and you teens might know how it is, as a teenager, people get excited about teenagers in church. So all of a sudden, man, I was a pretty special kid in the church. So now I went from being my temptation, being whatever those temptations were, to now I was looking the part. I was doing better than Ron, and I was doing better than this one over here. And, man, I was doing really good. And so now I'm looking right, trying to live right. And I want to tell you something. I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm pretty darn proud about it. And that's, that's how the devil gets you. It's an amazing thing. But I'll tell you one thing. You, I, you, I guarantee you this right now. You cannot spend time in the presence of God and come out proud. So if you're walking out with your, your peacock feathers out all the time, amen, your, check, your chest uh, thumped out and, your, I mean, and all that about how awesome and how much better you are than somebody else, uh, listen, I want to tell you something. That's just evidence. Man, you're telling on yourself like crazy. You just haven't been in the presence of God lately. Amen? Because I'm telling you what, man, I, I tell, you, you want to know whose sin is the worst when I get into the presence of God? 
It's mine. I want to tell you something. It's not the homosexuals. It's not the sodomites. It's not the drunks. It's mine. It's a sinner who God has saved, done, done nothing but blessed my socks off for the last close to 30 years of my life. And for me then to have any kind of pride or to think about turning my back on him or to be allowing secret sins into my life, man, that's a serious thing. Them people might not know any better. I mean, and so your sin, and do you believe that? Do you believe your sin is worse? It, it, might, it reminds me of a preacher that got up and he preached a whole message about the sins of the saints. And at the end of the service, you know, there was a sweet old lady that, that met the pastor out at the door and she said, well, you know, pastor, she said, uh, the, the, you know, Christian sins are different from the sins of the world. And just right quick, he agreed with her and he said, yes, ma'am, you're right. He said, they're worse. They're worse. The hypocrisy, the pride, the out-and-out backbiting and meanness and cold-heartedness. Some. So, uh, so, so the point is this, that the oak develops, the, the, what's below the ground, what's below the surface is more important than what's on the outside. And so therefore, if we are really walking in Christ, we're not going to be blown about with every wind of doctrine. We'll be able to stand against false doctrine. There's another cool thing especially with a, 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 a grove of oak trees. Uh, I'm not even to the tree I want to get to, so I'm trying to... But uh, a grove of oak trees, those roots get all intertwined together. And that's how we ought to be as the church, amen? We ought to stand... Listen, the, the, the Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. And the Christian life ain't, ain't all about you. The Christian life is about Christ, it's about others. Amen? And then it's about you. And we benefit, again, I was preached this Sunday, but we benefit when we put Christ and others first. Uh, we are the beneficiaries of that. Uh, but, but, but those roots intertwine. But now, uh, so I think about an oak tree, but there's a better illustration than an oak tree. Psalm 92, verse 12. Matter of fact, I think I'll go uh, read that as well. Psalm 92, because I want to go back and read a couple verses before that, or a couple verses after that. The Bible says in Psalm 92, verse 12, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat. Anybody want to say amen? They shall be fat and flourishing. The show, uh, to show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in Him. So the Bible specifically mentions the palm tree representing those. Now, I, the reason I want to try to give you the next few things I want to give you tonight is because when this was written to those who lived around palm trees, they would have known some of the things that we don't know. I don't know if you have palm trees growing in your yard. But there's palm trees are not lining the street when you run into Elk Point, amen, like they are down around Beverly Hills or somewhere, you know. Uh, we, don't know we don't see a lot of palm trees around here. But for, for one thing, I mentioned this at the very start, one thing about palm trees, about a palm tree Christian, one cool thing about a palm tree is that there's variety. There's variety. There's some 2,700 different types of palm trees in the world. There's a bunch of palm trees. And I'm glad that there are different Christians, amen? I mean, we don't all have to be exactly alike. Man, I believe one of the great things, you know, I preached about this not long ago, but you know it's a pet peeve of mine that, you know, 
Bible colleges I can understand to some extent. I'm glad that the Bible college I went to, they said God called you to preach. God called you to be Jesse Haley. He called Jesse Haley to preach. He did not, and so my pastor said, he did not call you to be me. I wish every Bible college understood that. The preachers that are called are not called to be the head of the Bible college or the founder or the pastor or whatever the case may be. So there's that. But then in, in addition to that, man, it's, it's, it's a fruitful thing. So that's a pet peeve. But another pet peeve is just in general in church, how that we try to manufacture. And you've heard me talk about it a million times. The Bible does not talk about the manufacturing power of the Spirit. Anybody ever work in manufacturing? I worked in manufacturing down in, uh, when I worked in uh, North Carolina. And man, we would just stamp stuff out. We had caliper, we had, we'd have a pair of calipers, and we would stamp out these parts, big old roll of, of metal, and it would run through a punch press and just bam, 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 just punching out parts, punching out parts, punching out parts. Every, every once in a while, you'd take those calipers out and you'd measure up those parts and make sure they're exactly so. And if they weren't, they would be rejected. And just, you know, just punching those out. Listen, that is not how God ever intended for the Christian life to be. He did not mean for that to be what church is. Punching them out. You know, bam, bam, bam. You got to look exactly like this. Calipers on you? Nope, not measuring up. <laughs> you know, you're out or, or ship up or whatever the case may be. It's fruit. Not all fruit grows the same. Not all fruit grows uh, at the same rate. Uh, you know, and, and there's a lot to be said about that fruit, but there's variety when it comes to palm trees. Another cool thing about palm trees, again, that people would have known when he talks about the, the righteous being like a palm tree, they would have known that a palm tree is always reaching for the sun. A palm tree is always reaching for the sun. So since the goal of the palm tree is always to grow towards the sun, the palm tree grow, grows to great heights. Gets, some of them get to be 100 feet tall. And sometimes uh, they, they get even a little bit taller than that. But here's one of the cool things. Palm trees usually grow straight. The, the, the Bible says the, uh, the, the are upright. I don't know what I did there, amen. But the, the, the upright are, are as the palm tree. The upright are as the palm tree. Uh, look that up and see if I did something wrong there. But basically, uh, the upright are as a palm tree. And one of the things about that is the upright. They generally grow straight. Amen? Because if our eyes are on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's going to be one of, the, one of the things that helps us from turning off to the left hand or to the right hand, from getting uh, carried away with the things of this world, the things of false doctrine, or what have you. And the Bible says, in Col back over in the book of Colossians, in chapter number 3, the Bible says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. Man, that palm tree is always looking toward the sun, going toward the sun. And man, as a child of God, that's how, that's how we ought to be. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And that looking unto right there carries the idea of looking unto some, looking in a certain direction and just ignoring everything else. Looking unto Jesus. I mean, my eyes are just on Him. So that's what a palm tree does. Now, on a, they, they generally grow straight. Uh, a Christian ought not be crooked. Amen? Right? Somebody that's saved by God's grace ought not be crooked. 
You ever heard about people, I've known preachers this way, I've, I've known preachers, Ralph, that listen, they're so crooked, they're going to have to screw their coffins on uh, whenever they die. Just crooked people. But Christians ought not be crooked. Christians ought to be straight. We ought to be trustworthy. We, be, we ought to be honest and, uh, and, and forthcoming, not deceptive. Not, uh, you know, all this working behind kind of stuff. Man, we ought to be out up front and straight people. Now, on occasion, these palm trees don't grow straight. But the reason why is they may start off in, you know, for instance, a palm tree may start off by growing on a hill. Now, that palm tree, it looks like it's destined to go the wrong way. Just to grow out there real crooked. But if you ever see a, a palm tree like that, here's what you're going to see. The palm tree goes, starts growing like this, but pretty soon it turns up and starts going like that. And you know what? That's a blessing to me because if, if you know me, you'd have to say, man, that boy's destined to grow wrong. But I'm telling you, I'm glad that the Lord put something down on the inside of me that just said, you know what? I want to look to Jesus. Amen. I want to look to my Savior. I want to just think about all He's done for me and just praise Him and look up to Him and grow toward Him. So I might have started off crooked, but I'm glad I'm trying to go straight now by the grace of God. It's His work in us. But so, that, that's the, but, but why? Because the palm tree is always going toward the sun, and we ought to always be going toward the S-O-N, sun, by the grace of God, always striving to get closer to God. And... Uh, I mean, listen, the Lord is faithful, and He'll help us if we'll just keep our eyes on Him. But not only is there variety, and the palm trees always reach for the sun, but also the palm tree develops from the inside out. I've already referred to this, so I won't spend a lot of time. Most trees grow by adding to outward girth. Most of the trees we're familiar with. The palm tree, though, uh, grows on the inside, more from the inside. See, for most trees, simply removing the bark completely around the tree for about an inch or two will kill most trees. But, listen to this, the life of the palm does not lie so close under the surface. It's not affected by surface injury. It must be completely cut off in order to be killed. And that's just simply to say this, by the grace of God, we ought to be growing from the inside out. As the inner man grows, the outward man glows. As the inner man grows, the outward man glows. We're developed from the inside out. Uh, another cool thing about palm trees, each and every part of a, of a palm tree is useful. I read somewhere that there may be up to 400 uses for a palm tree. I know this is different than what I'd normally be doing, folks. Just indulge me, all right? 400 uses for a palm tree. Uh, my voice cracked again. Did y'all hear that, Kimasabi? All right. Um, palm tree is known for its usefulness. From the top to the bottom, each and every part of the tree is useful. Many poor people in eastern countries like India know its value. It gives cooling effect with its shade as well as the products that, it, uh, that comes from it. It has many medicinal purposes also. It's profusely used in Indian medicinal systems. Um, and uh, let's see, oh, and then uh, thousands of people survive on the fruit that, it, that they produce. Uh, for instance, uh, some palm trees produce dates. Anybody like dates? I like all kinds of dates. I, I like dating my wife. Uh, I like those kind of dates. But I also like the fruit, the, the, the fruit uh, date. I love those suckers. 
I try not to eat too many of them. I like dried dates. Uh, they're really good, man. But uh, I remember years ago, I was, uh, I was trying to start eating healthier. And, uh, man, I've got, uh, I've got issues with sugar. Not like diabetes sugar. I, I'm working toward that, all right? Uh, but, uh, but from what I eat, I, I just I got a sugar issue. And so I was trying to change my diet a little bit. And so I started, I said, I tried to just go cold turkey, man, and I was having such a hard time. So instead of just stopping sugar, I started trying to replace sugar. So I said, I'm going to try some dates. Um, and along that time, Natalie was probably, I don't know, she was six, seven. I don't know, she was fairly young. And, uh, and I remember trying to get her to try a date, you know, because my kids like sweets as well. And I was just trying to get her, she was like, I don't know if I want to try. I said, come on, honey, try. I said, it's Jesus's candy. I was, you know, I'm just trying to say, God made this sweet thing. This is something Jesus made. It's, it's Jesus's candy. And uh, just the funniest thing ever because she took a bite of it and it's just like, and you remember what she said, Natalie? Jesus's, can Jesus's candy is disgusting. Uh, just the funniest thing. But the palm trees, what's that got to do with anything? Nothing. Uh, but uh, the, these uh, palm trees provide fruit. All right, palm leaves are known for their cooling effect. They put them on roofs and the whole thing. Another cool thing, palm, palm leaves before paper, they would use palm leaves to write on. You know what? Every one of us ought to be carrying a message, amen? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, that we're living epistles, amen, known and read of all men. And so, uh, but not only that about a palm tree, something else about a palm tree, a palm tree is an evergreen tree. It shows its colors in all seasons. Now, this is how, what God can do for us. Anybody ever get inconsistent in their Christian lives? Any, if, if, is there anybody that maybe the most consistent thing you're uh, uh, consistent about is being inconsistent? I've been there, man. I'll tell you the truth. Uh, but, uh, but by God's grace, He can help us to have, be colorful, be green in all seasons, be an evergreen tree. The palm tree is per perennial, perennially green throughout all seasons of life. Uh, life flows within it, uh, within it continually and keeps it fresh. The rains may fail. The storms may shake and sway the tree with great force. But nothing happens to the palm tree. They don't change. I mean, listen, uh, they're, they're the same vibrant witness to God's grace and glory all the time. And I'm telling you, aren't you glad that God's able to do that in your heart and life? He's able to make it, and I'm just, it's, it's a blessing of God. It's a testimony to the grace of God. I mean, has anybody ever looked at your life? See, it's not always through the good times that our life is a witness and a testimony to both the saved and the unsaved. It's, a lot of times it's during the difficult times, during those dry seasons. During those difficult times, when everything else is just, there's not a lot of rain around. There's, everything just seems so dry all around. But somehow God still, I mean, it reminds me of Psalm 46, you know, referring to the, the temple there with Hezekiah in Jerusalem and the, and the besiege of Sennacherib, how the Bible says there is a river, amen. I mean, it's in the midst of her, amen. And so we've got a river on the inside even during the dry times. And I'm glad, hallelujah, I can testify to you. Anybody else, I don't know if I could get a witness tonight, but anybody else be able to say, man, God's helped me through some dry times? God's, I mean, listen, he, he'll take you through the hard times. He'll take you through the difficult times. You can be evergreen. You can be evergreen. You can be ever fresh. 
Uh, amen. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And since he never changes, we've got a constant and steady supply of grace. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So the palm tree is evergreen. You know how long the palm tree grows? I'm not looking for years here, but basically it's this. The palm tree keeps growing until it dies. Never quits growing until it dies. And by God's grace, that's how we ought to be as well. Don't ever think you get to the point in your Christian life to where you've paid your dues and you can just sit back and let the young folks go at it, you know. Now, there may be things that you aren't able to do that you maybe used to could do, but there's always something you can do for God. Hey, I mean, listen, don't ever get stagnant in your Christian life. Don't ever, ex don't, don't ever accept the status quo. Always be looking to grow closer to Him. Now, this is one of my favorite points here about a palm tree. A palm tree can stand the storm. It can stand the droughts, but it can stand the storm. Whatever storm life may bring your way, my friend, God will help you to withstand it. The palm tree bends in the wind, but it's not easily broken. A palm can withstand winds of over 150 miles an hour. Ain't that amazing? And what do they do? They, they just kind of bend. I'm, man, I'm, not that you've got to see it, but they, they'll, they'll bend in the wind. 150 miles an hour they'll blow. They get bent, but they don't break. They may look scrawny. They may look weak. Their outward appearance may not be very impressive to you. But see, there's something on the inside. There's something on the inside of the palm tree. You know, what I know something about the inside of the palm tree is it's pretty soft. Amen? Pretty soft. Don't let yourself get hard. Uh, you ever want to harden your heart? I mean, we can harden our hearts against God in many, in many ways. But I know one of the struggles that I faced in life was... You know, the Christian life is to be lived like this, with arms outstretched, man. But now there's a problem with that. I mean, my arms are open to you as a Christian. My arms open to this one that's not saved. I mean, man, I, outstretched arms. But what happens with this kind of posture? You're left vulnerable. So what is inevitably going to happen? Inevitably it's going to happen. You're going to get hurt, son. I'm just telling you right now, you're going to get hurt. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You're going to get hurt. And uh, so I, I got hurt. So I learned something when I got hurt. No more of this business. Mm-mm. Like this. I mean, I'll, I'll try to help some folks. And I'll, I mean, I'll do what I got to do, but I'm not opening up like this again. <laughs> I mean, it hurts, man. But aren't you glad? I'm glad. I'm so glad by the grace of God. I want to tell you something. I moved to Elk Point, South Dakota like this. This is how I moved down. I'm going to, do, I'm going to preach the gospel. You know, I'm going to tell people how to know the Lord. But I ain't going to lie. I know what happens. I know what's going to happen with them people. They're going to come in, and man, they're going to think I'm the best thing since sliced bread, and uh, they're going to be all on fire for God. I was like, but you give it a little while, and man, they're going to cut my heart out. I know it's going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. 
I'm not going to let it. I'm just going to stay like this. But you know what happened? I started meeting some of you suckers, and you're so nice. Y'all got me to open up my arms. And uh, so, so, so don't hurt me. I'm going to get You know what? I am, I, am, I am really seriously expecting at some point to get hurt again. <laughs> Is that awful? I mean, I'm not dreading. I'm not living just like, oh, my gosh, I know it's coming. I just know that I'm going to live like this. And I know that leaves me a little bit vulnerable. But I'm telling you what, I would be missing a whole lot. If I, if I didn't have this kind of posture. But I'm telling you, I'm glad that God helped me. And it took some time, but I'm glad God helped me to get my arms back open. That, see, that, that, that palm tree is pretty soft in the middle. It can bend. It looks scrawny, but it doesn't snap under, the, under pressure. It's got a special ability to be able to uh, weather the storm. And, and this is the picture I like here. And I mean, God help us to be more of a people of praise and worship. Really. Help us to get as excited about Jesus and as excited about getting saved as we get about other things. Even some of the quietest people I know, uh, I can, there's something they can get to talking about to where they get excited about it. Man, may God, and that's fine, but may God help us to get excited about Jesus, about being saved. See, because here's what those palm trees do. I love this, man. You just, man, you ever been through any storms? You ever got blown so hard you felt like you might just break? You might just snap into. <laughs> I have. I've been, through, I've been through a few in my time. But here's what, by God's grace, as a palm tree Christian, if we're rooted, like he says there in the book of Colossians, like a tree planted by the rivers of water, we're getting blown over, and it feels like we're about to snap. And, but then here's what happens. That big old hurricane that big tropical storm, I mean, there's cars flying by, there's cows flying by, there's all kinds of stuff going by. And that wind's blowing, and I'm wondering, man, am I going to make it this time? But you know what happened? Eventually, finally, that storm gives up. And what do I do? Come back and my palms just raise. And, 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 and go back, and you say, well, now, preacher, that looks kind of charismatic. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm not talking about, I'm just saying, man, we ought to just be able to praise the Lord, amen? I mean, here I stand, and man, if I wasn't so dignified, I might just shout tonight. But, I mean, listen, I mean, I think about what, what I've gone through in my life. I think about some of the difficulties. It ain't near as bad as what some of you have gone through. But I'm telling you, the stuff that I've gone through, and here I stand tonight, and I just want to lift up my hands and say hallelujah, amen. I mean, I've got blown this way, and I've got blown that way, and I've got blown the other way. But I'm telling you, at the end of it all, here I stand tonight by the grace of God, just still waving my palms, amen. And uh, we just got to learn by the grace of God to wave our palms a little bit more. You say the charismatics do that. I mean, so what? I mean, I ain't letting some, I'm not letting some crowd like that rob me from praising the Lord. I'm really not. I mean, no, no more than I'm going to let the Jehovah's Witness and Mormons rob me from witnessing to somebody. Well, they do that. I mean, so what? They stole it from us, amen. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it back. Man, we're, we're supposed to be, a, and I'm not talking about the, the, the light show action kind of business, all right? I'm just talking about a grateful heart that just says, hallelujah. And, I'm, and I might be getting ahead of myself and a uh, spoiler alert on Sunday's message maybe, but I'm telling you, the, the children of Israel, they had to shout before the walls came down. A lot of us are sitting around waiting for the walls to come down, and then we'll say, well, then I'll shout. No, sir. We need to learn to shout. And I want to tell you something, man. I've learned by the grace of God that, man, I've shouted some walls down by the grace of God in my life. 
You know why? Because I love this true principle, how that the disciples, they were coming back, and man, they were having a grand old time. They were out, they'd been casting out devils. I mean, uh, that's a pretty cool thing. You see this crazy person that's got demons all in them, and you can actually come up and make the demons go out of them, and they were seeing great things happen, and they, they were coming back, and I can just see them, man, coming back. And, you know, just tell them, well, did, did you see that time? Do, do, you remember when I, do you remember when I spoke to that one, and, man, the devil come out in that person, and they were back home, and they are just coming back excited, and then one of them just said, woo, man, that was just something. In Luke chapter number 10, then Jesus says to him, though he says, Rejoice not because the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. You know, what, you know one of the reasons I believe he said that? Because the spirits aren't always subject to us. Circumstances aren't always good. I'll let you know a little secret tonight. We're not always good. But I'm telling you one thing that never changes. <laughs> Since I've been saved by the grace of Almighty God, hallelujah, my name has been written in heaven. Therefore, I've been on shouting ground, amen. I've been on shouting ground since 1992, back in those days. I, I mean, because my name's been written in heaven, amen. And I'm saved by the grace of God. Rejoice not because the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Just wave, I mean, just hallelujah, amen. I mean, listen, you say, I'm not comfortable doing that. Well, start practicing at home, amen? Start practicing in your car. Just hallelujah. You try it. I'm telling you what. I mean, see, the, the pro you say, well, that's, that's all emotional. Oh, it's emotionalism. It's not emotionalism. It can, I mean, it can be, but no. It's faith. It's faith. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If he tells us to shout, ye that are upright in heart, Okay. He tells us repeatedly to praise him, to shout. Well, if the Lord told me to. Okay. He did. Oh, well, I'm not going to do it because I didn't feel led to do it. Did you feel led to pray? Did you feel led to read your Bible? Did you feel led to come to church? Did you feel led to do the right thing today? We don't do what we do for God because we feel led to do it. We do it because God's Word said so. Right? That's how we treat everything else. But it's really convenient because it'd be awfully embarrassing if we were to praise the Lord. So then it's just convenient to say, well, I don't want it to be in the flesh. Why don't we do that with others? I don't want to give in the flesh. I don't want to love my wife in the flesh. I don't want to pray in the flesh. I mean, you say, I mean, it's just crazy the way we think about things. I'm just simply trying to say, you go through these storms, and I'm telling you, you can come back and be able to wave to the Lord. Think about this during storms. There's another tree, a lodgepole pine. Anybody know a lodgepole pine? Lodgepole pines, that's what covers um, Yellowstone. One of the two types of cones produced by a lodgepole pine, which makes up nearly 80% of Yellowstone's forest, um, is serotinius which just simply means that they do not release their seeds until the resin sealing the seeds inside the cone melts. But in order for those, that resin to melt that's holding those seeds in, it requires a temperature of at least 113 degrees. So what this does is it, it allows for the seeds not to disperse until a fire comes. And when a fire comes in, 
When a fire comes in, that's when these lodgepole pines open up their cones and the, that resin is melted and the seeds come out. And the purpose behind that is the fire is clearing the forest floor. The, the fire is clearing much of the canopy. So now the, it's ready for these seeds to come out. But here's the point. A lot of times we don't want to go through the fire. But buddy, it's through the fire. It's through the fire that we're fruitful. It's through the fire that things are opened up in our lives that can't be opened up otherwise. Oh, my friend, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Amen. See, God's just trying to put us through something because He's trying to open some things up in our life. He's trying to make some things fruitful in our life. He, he, he's maybe just clearing the way out so that we can be more productive for Him. And, uh, and, and, and therefore, and I'll give you these uh, in closing quickly, therefore, palms are a symbol of victory. We're coming up on Palm Sunday. They wave those palm branches in the streets. Palms are a token of victory. Uh, when, when Jesus came into uh, Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, even in the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about the triumph of Christ, and it talks about the palms there. There's so much about that, so much to be said about these palms. But I'll just simply say this. It, it's a sign of victory, an emblem of victory. Romans 8, 35 and 37, the Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written, uh, you know, we, we are slain, and I took that verse out to get to verse number 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. Man, a palm tree Christian, it's a victorious person. The storms come, the droughts come, tough times come. And that goes, I guess I referred to this already, but a, a palm tree is not affected by the drought because we have that inner source. And then lastly, a palm tree shows the place of water, an oasis. In Exodus 15, verse 27, the Bible says, And they came to Elam, E-I-L-I-M, or E-L-I-M, which just simply means palms. Uh, Elam, they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. That's after they were just about to thirst to death. But they saw off in the distance some palm trees. And that let them know that there was water there. It was a testimony to them. See, a palm tree has a very acute sense of finding water resource. Its, its roots go deep to, uh, down into the ground to find water even in the driest places. Even in a desert filled with hot sand, the palm tree survives the scorching heat of the sun. A Christian finds his livelihood in Christ, in the living water. The Bible says in John 4, 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be, a well, shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. A Christian can show the way towards living water. By God's grace, folks, we ought to be an oasis for somebody. Somebody ought to be able to look to us and see where to find water. Amen. They ought to look to us and say, man, I mean, you know what? That, that's one of the reasons I, I, that I warn about getting too caught up in all the divisiveness of today. I mean, I, I, believe, in staying in, I believe in staying in tune. I believe in following what's going on. I, I, I do. 
But don't get your, let yourself fall down these rabbit holes. Man, we need, I tell you what, in the midst of all this, we need to be some joyful people. Well, I'll tell you, Biden and Kamala and the border and the gas prices. That's fine. But if we're griping and moaning more about that than we are saying hallelujah to Jesus, I'll be honest with you, I'm not happy about that stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'll gripe and complain about it with you. We can do it a little bit after service. I'm serious. But that ain't gonna be I'm going, how I'm going around all the time. How you doing? Gas prices. <laughs> hey, Jesse, how's things going? Hey, Dad, how are things? Biden. You know, that, that ought not be us. Uh, man, by the grace of God, it ought to be Jesus. I'm saved. I mean, there's, there's some scared, concerned people today. There's some thirsty people today. The world, I mean, they're, they're wondering what's going on. And listen, I, I believe, understand this, I believe in being salt and light. I really do. I believe in getting involved in the political process. I believe in all these things. But our, our main responsibility is to point people to Christ. And so, man, that ought to be, we ought to be the ones being able to say, man, let me tell you something. I don't know what's lying ahead, but I'm telling you, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. We, people ought to be able to look at us and see refreshment. We, we ought not be a mirage. Man, you know, some churches are turning into mirages. You come in, you think you're going to get some satisfaction. Some Christian, as I said earlier, maybe they look the part, but you find out they don't have no water. We ought to be a, a, an oasis. Something where people can come and know, hey, I can tell you where. I mean, listen, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a, a man that was thirsty once that found a place to get a drink, and I'm just telling somebody else where to get a drink. Like the woman at the well, you know, I mean, she came there uh, thirsty. She came there with the bucket, and she left with the well, right? I mean, think about that. And then, then I love this. Then she wasn't satisfied because she's, then she went into town. And what did she do? She went into town because now she has a different thirst. Now she has a thirst to see people saved, and she goes in and says, Come see a man. Come to the water. I know y'all are thirsty. Well, I'm going to try to get these, you know, these crazy old leftists converted to be a Republican. Well, I'm more concerned about getting them converted to Jesus. Amen? I really am. And, uh, and so just, just the point just simply is this. May God help us. Amen? And I like this, toward one another, and this is so true, thank God for y'all. Thank God for this church. You know what the Bible says, and I'm closing with this. Paul spoke of Onesiphorus coming to him while he was in prison in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, and the Bible says, he oft refreshed me. You know what, I can look around at some of you folks in here today and say, man, you've oft refreshed me. I've come, I've come in dragon bottom. I don't always come to church because I want to come to church. I don't always want to come to church. You say, well, you need to get right with God. Well, pray for me. Maybe I will. Uh, I'm just saying there's sometimes, man, I'm just like, oh, man, just not having a good day, not feeling it, whatever. Uh, you say, well, preacher, you better come. You're the pastor, you know. And, uh, but, uh, but anyway, it's like, but you, but you know what? There's times I'll come, and I'll come in on fumes. I'll come in wondering, Lord, how can I even get up and preach tonight? And I'll come in, and here comes some dear saint. And man, they're just giving me a big old drink of water. They're refreshing me. They got a smile. They got something to say about Jesus. They got something to say about the goodness of God. And I end up being refreshed. Amen. And then I'm able to help refresh some other people as well along the way. So uh, be a tree. Amen. Be a palm tree Christian. By the grace of God, we can do it. Amen. Let's all stand.